To me, I had no connection to 45 million people dead. And he's, he's saying, we didn't have enough food. And so when you take God out of the, uh, or, or someone's faith or whatever, whatever people have that gets them through, you lose track of the bigger picture of, you lose meaning, you, you lose purpose. And when you have that, you have what we see now, these extreme suicide rates, extreme drug abuse, um, extreme over overdose deaths. In, in my, my studies of brainwashing, um, which I, I, I talk about in the book as well a bit, is, is that you, those who survive brainwashing, the extreme kinds under um, communist regimes in, in China and Korea and other things, other places like that, they've really, faith has been something that's got them through. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a fundamental thing that helps people to survive because there's, they know that there's something greater than them out there worth living for. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Kay Rubichek coming to the program. She is a documentary maker. She's worked for the Epic Times. She's produced so many different uh, documentaries, of which have won many awards. Her last one has won five Best Picture Awards, Finding Courage. It's about communism in China and what they undergo there in the Chinese labor camps. But she has been working hard to warn people of what it's like when communism takes over a country. And she says that United States, she's just fearful of watching what the United States is, you know, marching into. Her family has escaped communism three times. Her father's family escaped Russia in the 1920s. And again, her father um, himself escaped China in the 1950s. And then her husband, he, he escaped, um, personally escaped Czechoslovakia in the 1980s. So on both sides, on all sides of her family, she has experienced the communist regime and the horrors. And then her documentary making of being an activist in China and being arrested, she'll talk about this on her <laughs> adventures when she was in China making her documentary, but she's made quite a bit of documentaries now. And she also has done a lot of films for the Epic Times. You really got to be following her because she has insight that other people don't have, but she has a new book out that she's giving away for free, which is really amazing. It's called Nowhere Left to Run, 10 Steps to Survive Tyranny Today. It's really an uplifting book. It's a practical book on helping people understand how to survive and what's coming. It's going to be loaded up on the show page up on my website, sarahwestel.com. And I will also load, load it up for Ebonier members so you can download it there as well. But before we get into this really great conversation, I want to um, tell you that I have the 10% coupon for uh, Zelenko's Z-Stack. He has his new product, Z-Flu, out. He formulated it before he passed away. We do have a video of him talking about why it works and why you should be taking it. I have a link below so you can check that out. This winter is going to be brutal. People should be making sure they don't get sick, especially if you've been vaccinated. You do not want to get sick. You want to keep your immune system as high as possible so that even if you haven't been vaccinated, you don't get hit by some random thing that they're trying to throw at us. I think it's just important now, and I think we've all been educated on the importance of keeping our immune system really strong and intact. So look, check that out. The link is below. And remember, if you are already buying the Z-Stack, remember to use the coupon. Maybe you can stock up on it while you have this opportunity to use a coupon. And the link is below. And also, I want to tell you, if you go to sarahwessel.com under shop, I do have all the public coupons available now by the products. And I also tell you, if you're an Ebonier member, if you save more by being a member. So a lot of, hopefully my Ebonier members get way more than they are paying for. And that's the goal of that. So anyways, let's get into this really good conversation with Kay Rubicek. Hi, Kay. Welcome back to the program. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Well, I love having you here because you have insight like no other. You have created a pretty intense documentary on life in China and behind the, the walls and curtains and you've interviewed people and things. And then from there, you you were, uh, I think you were a producer at Epic Times and now you've written a book. You've done so many amazing things. 
Uh, can you talk about, before we get into your book, let's talk about, the book was called Nowhere Left to Run, which I want to ask you why you have that title as well. But let's talk about your background so people get an idea of how you come at this from uh, an experience that others probably don't. I mean, it's just, a, it's a really great, rich experience to to come from. Well, thanks for asking me that, because I think this is something, you know, when we understand each other as people, then when we, you know, our experiences and just our connections, our relationships are just so much deeper and richer, and it goes beyond just seeing headlines. And so it's, it's, you know, for my, for my story, I've had so many people say to me, well, you know, my family escaped communism too. And so I've been talking about how my family escaped communism and, and a big difference about what I'm doing is that I'm talking about it. So I'm finding that so many people have, we have these shared experiences, but not everyone's actually talking about it. We're not actually valuing our, our own experiences, our own life experiences. So I'm really trying to bring that to the forefront forefront through my own experiences. And um, my family escaped communism three times over three generations. First in Russia, when the Soviet communists took over in the 1920s. And then they escaped to China before the Chinese Communist Party took over there. And then uh, my father was born and raised in China as a young Russian boy living in you know the cold northeastern part of China. And then the Communist Party took over and he was really fortunate to survive. He survived um, and was able to escape during the, the massive famine that killed you know, up to 45 million people. Yeah. Like a it lot was of people. horrifying in China when they took over. And he wow. didn't tell me, yeah, my dad didn't tell me much about it. We would ask him often, you know, what was it like in China? Wouldn't talk about it. Sometimes maybe late at night, you know, maybe after a couple of beers or something, he might say something, but very little. He would say things like, we didn't have enough to eat. We didn't have enough food. To me, I had no connection to 45 million people dead. Yeah. And he's, he's saying we didn't have enough food. So, yeah. Well, how did so he survive? He got out. How young was he when he got out? 14. And uh, his family had connections with a church that was based in Hong Kong because they were um, they were they they'd maintained their faith since Russia. They didn't lose that. And uh, and so that, I think, really helped them get through all the hardship that they did. Definitely. And um, especially seeing my grandma, uh, you know, as she as I was growing up, she was very pious and I just learned so much. Uh, from her and her um, devotion to her faith and and I could see that that definitely that strength got them through and so the church actually helped them to escape uh, through Hong Kong and got them to Australia so they were really fortunate to survive and, and then my husband's family actually um, I met him in Australia I was born and raised in Australia um, my husband's family escaped the former Czechoslovakia uh, during the Eastern European bloc. The Soviets had occupied the country, uh, were pushing communism down everybody's throat, and uh, and his his father didn't want to follow that. Although his father was his his grandfather was a high ranking Communist Party official, so the family had to make some choices, and they risked everything: three kids and and uh, two parents, and they spent months in a um, refugee camp and they didn't know if they were going to be sent back and if they did they would have been put into prison and they were very lucky that they were able to make it to Australia and so yeah, when you start to look into your own history you start to find these connections and so I've been doing that since I've I've spent a day in a Chinese prison as a human rights activist and uh, that opened my eyes to the evils of communism and then digging to my family's history and then interviewing survivors and perpetrators of communist crimes. Um, looking around at this country now where I now live, I live in New York in the US and um, seeing what's been happening around the world, you know, especially since COVID, but keeping a close eye on China, that's where I'm you know, I, I, that's, that's my background that sort of helps me pull all these things together and being a filmmaker, I've been video and film production for almost 25 years. So being able to bring, um, tell those stories is something that I think, you know, we learn from stories, we learn from those connections with people. So that's where I've been, I've chosen to not follow the Hollywood route and uh, take the independent route and make content that can uh, hopefully benefit people and help us avoid reaching you know, what China's become to, which is the worst, the best example of the worst case scenario when socialism takes over a country like that. 
Well, and I want to talk about that, but first I want to talk about uh, just quickly mention that you talked about how faith got them through the worst of times. And it seems that people go to faith for, you know, they have it kind of lingering deep, but not until things get really bad, people go to faith because it really does help them get through really hard times. And it doesn't seem as important until times get rough. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Go ahead. It's, it's so true, but there's a reason for that too. I talk about this a bit in my book is that, you know, we've been trained to through, through the media and propaganda over the last few decades, we've really been trained to be thinking very short term and to, to be looking at things through a very atheistic lens intentionally uh, in this country here in the U S this is a nation that was founded one nation under God. And, but those, that sort of frame has been removed from the education system and replaced with a very atheistic um, viewpoint. And so when you take God out of the, uh, or, or someone's faith or whatever, whatever people have that gets them through, the you spiritual start grounding. to, yeah, because you, you, you lose, you lose track of the bigger picture of you lose meaning, you, you lose purpose. And when you have that, you have what we see now, these extreme suicide rates, extreme drug abuse, um, extreme over overdose deaths. People are looking for meaning and that's what makes us human, right? And, and a lot of people find meaning through faith. And, and in, in my, my studies of brainwashing, um, which I, I, I talk about in the book as well a bit, is, is that you, those who survive brainwashing, the extreme kinds under um, communist regimes in, in China and Korea and other things, other places like that, they've really faith has been something that's got them through, and it, it's it's a it's a fundamental thing that helps people to survive because there's they know that there's something greater than them out there worth living for, and there's other elements that get people through to survive brainwashing, but that's that is a very important one that that you you have to have you have to believe in something because if you don't believe in anything at all, then you really are easily manipulated. You can just swish around in the wind, and sometimes you find you know when life is hard people choose death and and that's that's a really scary situation to be in when 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 life becomes that hard that people make a, an extreme choice like that but that's that's the scary stuff that i see uh with statistics these days and and we need to find meaning in life and and get back to our, our roots as, as human beings really so that we have meaning and purpose and we can see a bigger picture and have that faith in ourselves as well as a greater power to really be able to get through those hard times because we're in hard times now and but we've been softened to not see um, those things but we've got to get back to that I think yeah I think so too and you talked about China being the worst of communism or socialism and people talk about commun uh, China being a a capitalist communist country and then how it's the best of both and all this bs and but, I mean, there are some good things about China. They've, they have risen so many people out of poverty and pe more people are being fed and all these things. And they point to all that. But you see it as this is the worst of both. Explain that, please. Absolutely. There is a big misconception. We have been, you know, we're taught that socialism, communism is on the complete opposite side to capitalism. Um, but people who and i'm not talking about entrepreneurs entrepreneurs and independent uh business make uh, business owners and and the the individualism the the patent system of america that's that's made this country prosperous in the past uh, i'm not talking about that i'm talking about monopolies where um big business um owners control large industries where the market's not free exactly where it's, a, it's not a free market yes yeah. and they they know that the socialist governments are the most um you know they're so rigid and they are so um inefficient in so many ways because you have all these hierarchy all the way down 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 every single step for example in china a single hospital has a a, a communist party member 
assigned to not just the head of the hospital to report back to the government to watch everybody, but in every department, in in the heart department, in the liver department, in the you know the maternal maternity department, there's a communist party member there, and their job is to oversee everybody, and it it adds so much inefficiencies to the system. But this system is easily exploited by people who want to make a lot of money. So in in China, we've see we see that to an extreme. And so China itself says it is a socialist system. It's not a commun it's heading towards communism. So I, I use those words often interchangeably because you say communism, you say socialism. So socialism is the intentional stepping stone to get towards communism. So China calls itself a socialist system, but China is not the CCP. China is is a history is, is a country with five thousand year history. It's it's got a great people. It's it's a wonderful place. Um, but the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has monopolized it, and it's made us think that it has freed people out of poverty, that it has um, created wealth, that it has um, changed, that it 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 has basically formed the nation that the nation started in it, when the communist party started these are euphemisms these are narratives that we've been fed and you know this um right rising raising people out of poverty is an interesting one because the communists often use that they say that it's we're always trying to help the downtrodden poor people they're not um you look at every communist regime throughout history, they say they do, but they, they don't. They're the ones that get killed. What do you mean by that? So do they just reduce the amount of people who are poor by um, killing them or starving them to death? Or, I mean, because that's how I feel the United Nations and the World Economic Forum, when they say that they're going to, there won't be poverty. It's like, well, you're reducing the food supply and you're starving people out. So yeah, there will be a lot less poverty because those people are going to die. Yeah. I mean, you look at what Stalin did to the Ukraine uh, in the thirties. You look at what Mao Zedong did in, in China in the fifties to people there in, in China, the socialist policies um, allow, accept murder and death um, as part of they're achieving their goals. So to lie, cheat, steal, and kill is acceptable for socialist uh, policy. And so a lot of people, they they compromise their um, their beliefs, they compromise their consciences and and allow for death to happen. And you know, in China, we that's like forty five million during that particular famine. It wasn't the only famine, but it was the worst. And then in in um, in the Ukraine, we're talking seven seven to to ten just from that famine alone, because Stalin wanted to take the grain and sell it. Um, and so the Ukrainians died. Um, it's not that they're saying that we're we're going to go and kill the poor people. It's just that they their ways of prioritizing is very different to, uh, say, here with the, the founding fathers of the US saying uh, all, all men are created equal. Uh, in, in China under, or, or any, under socialism, they don't see us as being created equal. They see that there is, a, is an elite and that that elite group um, is, is allowed and destined and uh, supposed to rule over the others. And the, the rest of us are... Um, what do they say? Is uh, you know, it, eaters. We're just we're just eaters. We're, we're useless eaters, and so you know, it it sounds it sounds really brutal and gruesome. But you know, when you read their documents and the speeches, it's it's all there. I you know, I I didn't come up with stuff. Well, but they talk about it like uh, they care about the poor, but they want. It's almost like they're giving themselves pats on the back, and they want them to feel like they're so important but they make decisions for themselves first. And then if it ends up ha- helping the poor, then that's great. But that's a byproduct, right? I mean, isn't that kind of what it is? Absolutely. Uh, it's helping the poor is a narrative. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a clear example on this. Um, when we're investigating a murder in China of one of the characters in our movie, her sister was murdered in a labor camp and and the body was there. And I was trying to investigate to find out, well, is the body still there? Why is it still there? Who's keeping it in the morgue? How's it being paid for? And all of those things, asking questions. 
And um, so the head of the, the labor camp who was responsible for maintaining this body and who admitted on camera, um, she was secretly filmed, uh, that yes, they, they have this, this body. Um, when, when we tried to go further and ask, uh, can, can we keep what's happened with the body? What's the status, uh, any progress we can get to get the remains or to have a cremation or have something, you know, just, just to move the issue ahead. She came back to us with the line. She says, um, I'm sorry, but our, uh, leaders are too busy bringing people out of poverty. That's what she told us. And I was like, you're kidding me. Um, and we pressed again and again. And she said, they are too busy raising people out of poverty to deal with your issue. And we're, we're talking uh, a life, you know, a, a life and death situation here. And they just want to ignore that and say, we're doing something good over here. Take a look over here. Distraction. That that's, and, and, and people fall for it and they'll say, China has raised so many people out of poverty instead of saying, well, hang on, it's not China. It's the CCP and the CCP has killed millions of its own citizens during peacetime, often through starvation. So any, you know, poverty lines and bringing, raising people out of poverty, hmm, I question that. And the fact that people are allowed to have money and make money and, and spend money isn't a problem in, in, in socialist terms because getting to the a goal of communism and, and maintaining totalitarian control over a state, they don't care if people worship money. They don't care if people are obsessed with money. They kind of happy with that because it keeps them all distracted and they can maintain their national control. If the people want to technology they're going to give them technology if the people want more food they'll give them more food as long as they maintain their goals that's the main thing but meanwhile anyone who criticizes uh is is told that well you're you're affecting the poor people um you're criticizing their help for the poor people and that that's where we, we have to look beyond those narratives that the chinese communist party has fed to us and really look and see it's it's not about poverty um, China's population is in massive decline. Its economy is in very, you know, really dire straits now. Um, it's it's not about the poverty lines. It's it's really the policies that they've intentionally put into place that they know will harm people. But that's that's the goal of socialism is is control over people. It, it's more important to have national control. And if X number thousands or millions need to die for them that's not a problem that's just part of the price so that's that's how they look at us which is very different to the founding of this nation being you know all men are created equal and one nation under god where everyone's got value intrinsic value and everyone's allowed to have their ideas very different <laughs> really different situation it is very different and now do they because people who aren't in the party power really believe the narrative they really believe and i've met a lot of people and i'm sure you have especially in this country who really believe the narrative of this panacea with socialism okay but people who get into power positions in the structure do they come to a point where they talk about it openly how do we maintain power and how do we I mean, do they come to a realization of what this really is about? And do they talk about it openly? In China, there isn't much open conversation, basically, within the leadership. I've interviewed um, dozens of former communist officials and uh, probably 100 party members. Um, but the, of the officials, what... And also when you see this, read their speeches and their documents and their strategies and, and things that they present to the public through uh, to as well through their propaganda and presentations, they they have these ranks. And so at a higher rank, you still are not privy to the rank above you. And then once you get to that rank, then then you're allowed that knowledge. And then once you get to the next rank, you're allowed that knowledge. It's not like say here in, in in congress we have to see they have to make public um the the c-span footage they have to make public the the bill before it's you know debated on the floor or things like that that is that doesn't happen in china 
Uh, it doesn't happen in a in a socialist nation because it, it's it's very top down uh, governmental control, uh, state control, and so th- those at a lower rank they don't know what's what's above. They get little. They might get some hints of it, but they don't know. And so once they get to that next level, it's almost like a secret society, you know, kind of thing. You go up in rank and you're given privileges. You're giving you may perhaps more money, perhaps you get a, a better car, perhaps you get a better apartment because usually the officials, um, their home apartments and um, residences are connected to their uh, status in their position as an official. And so if they lose their status, they lose their home, they lose their they lose almost everything. But when they go up in status, they get so much and then once you go up in status once you are you know you you go through that initiation into a group then you start to compromise because you you realize oh i'm special now and and then you're 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 tested to see will you accept that yes some people need to be hurt you may need to involve in um prison abuse uh in in torturing to get information that you need because otherwise you cannot go up in ranks and so people become numb to these things activities that we would see as criminal and they they are in that environment and they think that they they don't see any other way because that's the only way to progress within that organization of the of this party political party and and that's what they do so so they 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 constantly trying to get up in ranks um, so that they don't get kicked out or, or some people may just be happy at one rank if if they really have that conscience but many people they they really they have to make a choice once they're they've entered that elite group um, what are you going to do now are, are you going to be follow the the special information that the group has access to and it's that special information that makes people think well it's okay if X number of people die over there because we're trying to do this. Well, it's okay if this number of people over there lose their home because we need to relocate their homes or if these ones need to lose their jobs because we we need to destroy those factories. All of those things uh, they are willing and do on a regular basis compromise. And when you do that regularly, that becomes the way you think. And so when I was interviewing these officials, the way they think is extremely different to how we think and it just does not correlate at all to a regular government as such it is a one-party monopoly and that's that's what socialism is it's complete control over a nation when i see our country moving in that direction i think the biggest horrifying experience for me is when we were shut down with covid and there was almost a veil of and maybe i feel the energy i don't know I, it felt really off. And I'm in the Twin Cities. So it felt really, New York would be the same way. It just, there's something fundamentally wrong here. People don't, there wasn't a lot of laughter that the, the fun of life was gone, but people really commented that when you went down to Texas or went to Florida and you went to some of these more open states, that life was different. It felt more normal. Like it used to be. And the happiness factor and the, just the, the energy and the life factor was much higher. And so it was this unspoken phenomena that I've never experienced in my life, but I experienced during that time. And I still think it's lingering today. Whereas in these other freer environments, it's it, they're freer, they're happier. The life is more robust. And is that because when I went to China right before COVID got shut down, the people were great, but there's, there was that there too. We noticed this almost like a black fog over the country. It was really interesting. And is that what you noticed when you were doing your documentary and talking to people? It's, it's hard to put my arms around how to communicate that, but it was almost like a veil of evil or something. I don't know how to explain it. There is that that concept when you you feel in China they talk about it as pressure. They say there's this pressure, and among the officials in China, the the suicide rates um, are usually very very high. There's been periods of times when they're extremely high, and where officials have said, "How many jumpers were there today?" 
officials jumping out of the windows to their deaths because they couldn't take the pressure anymore. When you're, when you know that you could be next at any point in time, uh, and and in the officials, uh, official dumb in in China as I as I call it under the CCP, they are the scapegoats for the CCP. So they know they get all the benefits, all the party benefits, and and status and wealth that come with being a party member, especially at high ranking. But if someone needs to take the fall to cover up a crime or something that gets exposed or um, someone just wants to get your job to get on top of whatever, you have to accept that because you put the party above people. And that is your oath that you give to the party. So there's this pressure. They call it being like a type of pressure. So many of them tried to describe this pressure to me that comes from the state. And during COVID, we felt that I felt, you know, we felt this kind of pressure. And in China, the, the pressure is also comes through the media because all the media is state control controlled. So the socialist state tells the media what to say. And, and in, in one of my books, I talk about all the, um, the propaganda uh, department uh, issues specific directives to all the media as to what to say, what not to say, how to say, when to say it, things like that. And they're very specific. And during COVID, they were very specific too. It's what to be said, what not to be said. And so that comes out through the media. So the media is starts to repeat the same narratives. And so you hear it again and again and again and again. And in China, they've had this for a long time. So the officials have their own pressure. And then in society, Everybody has these media narratives being pushed onto them. And when, they've, when they start to label groups uh, or an enemy, in China, they, they first they, they label an enemy. So it could be a group or it could be, could be the environment or it could be a virus. It could be anything. And it's time to attack that enemy. That's what they do. Um, known strategy, very effective, unfortunately. Um, so they label that enemy. And then all the media just start to talk about it and they start to get experts to talk about it and they get all these so-called studies and they they go through and start to build a case around this. And it's very hard for you to question that because everyone is hearing the same narrative on every media everywhere. And so if you start to say something different, you're seen as like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. You start to question yourself and then and other people will question you. And it's very hard for a person Certainly, as we get more and more individualized and being isolated in our homes, it's during the lockdown times, very, very hard to, to say, well, but I know that's right and I know that's wrong. I've checked the facts and I'm, I'm willing to stand up to that. Very, very hard when you're on your own and you feel isolated. And that's a strategy that they use to isolate people because it makes us weaker. So we, we've seen this in China over decades. They've honed it very, very well. And, and the Soviets started it and, and they did a lot of experiments and research on this sort of social manipulation. And China's done, unfortunately, an excellent job of it. The CCP has, has done that on the Chinese people and the nation. And so during the lockdowns, yes, that, that pressure that we get from media headlines just being consistently spreading bad news to make us afraid um, and worse in certain states. And then when the people get isolated, then you, you you lose those community units, you, you lose those roots, you use, and the families, if the families start to be disconnected and separated, people really start to uh, lose hope and things get negative and then you feel more and more pressure. But then there's also pressure coming up from, from the base, from the bottom as well, which, which comes up through economic pressure because you, maybe you can't work and then you don't have money. How are you going to pay your bills? So you feel this pressure coming down from the top from the media and, and, and sort of government policy and these so-called experts. But then you have this pressure coming from the bottom where you're looking at the, your food bill and thinking, oh, if I pay for that, how am I going to pay for gas? And, and so you feel this squeeze. And then if you're isolated and you don't have friends or, or family close to you that you can really trust and rely on and you're afraid to say things, or, or maybe someone won't talk to you anymore if you say something, then you start self-censoring. Then you start to even not trust yourself and that's that's a really dangerous uh situation because people really start to lose hope and they f they forget it's it's hard to look big picture when you feel like you're being compressed by this external pressure from both the top and the bottom well and that's the sad thing when they started censoring people like me 
who held to my convictions and others who held to their convictions because we just knew we were right and we weren't going to be silenced. And people looked to that as a as as to lean on so they could go, okay, I know I'm right. And then they censored the heck out of us. That was important to censor us so that people didn't get that that support of their own opinions and that what they've seen. So that, I mean, it's evil, right? I mean, that's a sign of evil. And so that's why there's there was this dark fog because people were, they just, and when you went to other places that weren't doing that as much where the fog wasn't there as much, it was pretty interesting. Um, and, and that's why it's, it's, it's just evil. It's just not right. It, if you feel that things aren't right, they probably aren't right. That that's where we have to trust ourselves. You know, you have to feel like something's not right, and then you start thinking, "Well, no, I, I'm the one that's that that's hmm. Oh no, I must be wrong. You know, I must be wrong." And th- then you start to think, "Oh, I don't I, I don't know anything." And that's one of the points in my in my book is that they they actually want us to feel stupid, and those who want to control, you know, that want state control, they want us to question ourselves and and think that we are stupid, think that we are un- incapable of making our own decisions. And I, th- I think like what you've done, being able to stick to your convictions gives people a lot of hope and a lot of uh, inspiration and motivation and a- an example of like, oh, no, I-, I can say what I'm thinking and, I- and I'm not afraid to be wrong too and I'm not afraid to ask questions and that it's okay to to talk and and, and ask questions and, and talk to a, a wide variety of people and and hear. and your your instincts are right that they are acting dumb and stupid because all it's done is prove to me that these people who are following this or creating this pretty stupid <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i'm sorry but it's like the people who truly believe it and act on it and and are committed to it i realize there's other groups and other things but keep going because i didn't mean to cut you off i just had to say that because like all it's done for me is is really cement that some of these people are oh my god and how did you go to college and still follow this and have no conviction and no critical thinking skills you know i mean it's really made me question a lot of things about our institutions like there's something seriously wrong in our leaders you can you not you are not a leader if you don't have this courage to do anything and the critical thinking skills to to do anything yes. Yes, absolutely. It's those critical thinking skills that are not being taught in schools. And I've got two teenagers and and seeing what they've been educated uh, with the way the education's changed, certainly from when I went through it. But even in Australia, as I was going through college, I noticed that something's not right about what I'm being taught here. And I was doing fine arts and, and I could see that this is something's not right. And only later, uh, years later, when I came back to look at what I was learning, I was like, you follow the, you follow the money, you follow the um, the policy, you follow the educators and where they've come from. There is an intentional plan by the international sort of socialist movement to um, to to want to take uh, undermine America and, and have that control. It's something that they've they've wanted to do for a very long time. And yeah, they're not that stupid. That. That's right. right. But they take advantage of people who are, they call them useful idiots. And, yes. and it's those who, you know, they, they target the, especially in, it, you look at all these countries where they, the first thing they come, first people they go after are the intellectuals and they go after the celebrities or the artists and they woo them, woo them with money and power and promises. Then they get them in and then they pervert them. Um, they 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 have to undergo initiation in that group. They become special, or they become uh, get access to special information, and then they you know compromise them. And then then they have to then they start promoting um, these these negative um, sort of more socialist socialist policies. And this is what we've seen through history. It's not like oh this is going to happen. It's like no no no. Here it is. Um, here's all you know this is what we can see right now and more people are, are more aware of it but but even just looking it through so even just russia and china and you see how they've done that and definitely here it's, it's been happening in in the u.s um then, then you realize oh they they actually do that intentionally they they come after the intellectuals first and the artists but unfortunately when those regimes come into power 
after they've taken advantage of the intellectuals and the artists, the creatives, um, those ones are the first to go. They're the ones that are used as the useful idiots and then they're removed because um, they know uh, they know what they were promised and they won't be given what they were promised. And uh, Yeah, because they were promised a, a panacea and it's not that. I don't even think they're interested in really the communist thing. I think they're just using it because they're going after a one world government and a complete top-down dictatorship and complete surveillance and control. And the communist um, methods of getting us there just is really useful and it works well, but their goal is completely, I mean, it's not even the communists, but it's a, their own new technocratic new way of doing things. It is. It's, it's really this whole concept of wanting to play God. Um, you know, Karl Marx himself called a, called socialism, communism, a specter. Um, so, a specter, a, a demon, a devil, or, you know, I'm coming from someone who people say, oh, he's an atheist. It's like, okay, well, he believes in something um, certainly more than that, that that's beyond just this world. And so that is, yeah, you, you look at the socialist policy and you look at these sort of globalists and, and monopolists who want to, um, they want to, they want to play God and, and want to remake humankind um, the Soviets really did that, uh, really were pushing, striding forward with that during the 1920s and 30s and things in, in Russia. And and they were funded by big bankers um, yep. from, from the West. And, and they were already working in collusion. So when people think that socialism is the, the downtrodden masses rising up together against the, the big wealthy elites to take back their tax money, that's baloney. Come on. Yeah. Like, uh-uh. It's you guys are the people who are the wealthiest elites are the ones behind this, you dummy. <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about Russia because Russia, from what I understand, has worked hard to get rid of some of these people in their country. They're not quite the same thing that they used to be. And a lot of those people in Russia that were the Bolsheviks and the people that they that we were fighting with are now here and Russia is more like is trying to fight against them. Is that an accurate narrative? Because it really seems that things have flipped a bit. Yes, it's really, um, we are in very interesting times. We are in such interesting times, um, such historic times, not easy times. And, and, and things can be very confusing. Uh, I, I, things are confusing that you look at every headline, things are confusing. What's going on in, in Russia you know, I used to think that when the Berlin Wall fell in 1989 and separating East Germany and West Germany and and freeing, say, for example, uh, you know, my relatives in, in Czechoslovakia to be able to, uh, you know, freely travel and, and the Soviet occupation disappearing, we really thought that communism, that was the end of it and that, that there would be no more socialism. Um, or and, and I think maybe from that point, people started to separate communism and socialism and, and try to say that they're different. But still, but but that's just not the truth. For us to think that those who were behind that power play at that time just decided to give up and go and do gardening or build a library or something, it's just silly. It's it's just silly that we fall for that line. And I used to fall for that line. I used to think that the Berlin Wall signified the end of communism, um, but it doesn't. It signified a dispersion of um, communism through through the world. And already we did have uh, people in the US who were paid for by uh, and and with with people who wanted to promote who were promoting socialist policies and things they were already here but things just went in another direction they became more underground more um dispersed but the us has always been the target for all the all the socialist regimes um because they know that the us has to like with a global economy a global um infrastructure now in place everything is interconnected you see our food supplies are interconnected our or everything our economies our travel 
everything is so interconnected that the the systems are in place for global control. And so for those who have that desire for that level of power, um, they they are working towards that. But America is 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 a roadblock to them because it is a is it a it is a country based on um, faith and freedom and and family and and those types of things that today you notice those words are being labeled as uh, in, in negative ways but that's intentional it's not that those words have become negative or that those things have become negative of course they haven't but they are now being targeted as as a, a negative or as or as an enemy which is which is just baloney again there's a difference between the communists and the globalists the globalists are and maybe the globalists were always behind communism and this is just their next step yeah they they you know the soviet revolution would never have happened without the support from the uh, wealthy the wealthy elites and that was t touted as you know the, the the one of the biggest successes of socialism communism and so the the two of them are very much hand in hand um we see what the ccp is is doing and its intention for uh, having having control beyond its own borders even setting up it's got police stations known police stations here in new york city and, and in other and in um, canada and, yeah exactly it's like okay so i mean i've i've seen that coming for you know years now but it's people wouldn't could it was hard for them to imagine that the ccp was capable of doing those things until finally it's like it's like right here in your face and it, and we're saying well actually they've always been like that the ccp has always been like that and the globalists have that that desire to um to want to rule over a well the the, the globe <laughs> it sounds so silly doesn't it you know but that's what they want yeah now, do they want to take over China? See, now this is the big question. Do they want to take over China? And is the CCP fighting the globalists? And has Russia now become more of a free country fighting the globalists? What is the truth behind all this? Because sometimes I think they want you to think that, and other times I think it's true. Yes, that's where I don't have a definitive answer because what I, I see is, seems to be quite fluid right now. China's, uh, the CCP's involvement in these global organizations is is pretty fundamental now if they were not part of the world economic forum what would happen there it, it could be it could spell disaster for that organization um russia and china have a very important alliance now since russia's attack on on the ukraine it wasn't like that before so this year things have been so become so dynamic because the the attack from Russia onto the Ukraine and now the West response. And it's, it's really hard to say, um, you know, because we, the best we get is things like Davos um, meetings and we, we can see what, what they're saying there, the UN meetings, what we see that's made public or when people disclose something from behind closed doors um, we can see Klaus Schwab and, and others who put out their own books and state their agendas, public agendas. We can see what the Council on Foreign Relations is putting out here in the US um, to tell the media how to think and report on um, the legacy media on, on and direct all of their narratives. So we can see what they're putting out, but the, the strategies behind that we're not privy to and they're in 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 fighting and power plays and things like that we're not privy to what we do have access to is what they've done in the past and seeing that the communists the socialists uh or, or the monopolists um I, I mean i've been calling the globalists sort of monopolists as well because they're, they're they're really just trying to control you know the money and the and the power through their corporations uh, whether they see a corporation a country as a corporation some of them do um yeah, so, they think they incorporate countries and then control that. It's a fascist kind of situation. Yes. So then yeah. once they start working together, any of them are willing to use the other to achieve their goals. And who's going to win out? Who's going to do what? I, I say ultimately none of them. 
because we need to remember that we are the key players in our lives and in this world and that we have meaning and purpose for being here beyond just looking at them and saying, oh, no, are we going to die because of that group or that group? You know? Yeah, they they see us as spectators or or just like useful idiot or useful not what do you call it? useless, useless eaters. eaters. Yeah, <laughs> we're not even the useful idiot. I'm not a useful idiot. I'm a useless eater. But the but really, we don't want either of them to win. They're just a bunch of idiots fighting each other. What we need is we need to rise up and get rid of all of them. Yes. And that's why in, in my book, when I was um, putting this together this year, I was like, what do I call these guys? Because, you know, there's the globalist group and then there's the CCP group. And then there's the this specter that Karl Marx called this devil of communism, which is, you know, infused into all of them. I'm like, how do I? Uh, and, and then people will, will look at certain political parties and want to call them certain names. And I thought, OK, I'm going to call them all tyranny, tyrannists, because for whatever goals, whatever reasons, they are trying to play God over us. They think they're better than us. They think that they have that deserved power to control over us. And they do see us as useless eaters, which is an absolute lie. And they are just waiting for us to give up and accept their lies. And when we don't, then you know, they promise this, um, us this liberation, right? That's how they suck in so many of the intellectuals, they say, and artists, they say, you will be liberated. You'll be liberated from morality. You will be liberated from consumerism. You'll be liberated from uh, traditional gender stereotypes and uh, family restraints and patriarchal, money, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, they have all these fancy words for all that stuff. All of that is that's baloney too because it's it's that whole concept of, of liberation is you get to get rid of everything that you care about uh to become a pawn under their control that's that's the ultimate goal is they have ultimate control whereas if you're not part of their game if you're not part of their system you choose a higher power you choose a divine law as opposed to a human man-made law then you are truly liberated because you are not putting a political party or a globalist party or a tyrannical any kind of group as your maker and in in China the people there have been trained to think of the communist party as their mother as their father and one woman told me after an interview she said when I, she said, I didn't realize this before. She says, I've been living in a free country for like 20 years now and maybe 30 years. And she said, every time I say the Chinese Communist Party, that word in Chinese, she says, I feel a warmth in my heart, oh like my the gosh. love of my mother. And she said, I didn't realize it's still there. I feel sick. I don't want it anymore. That's that's that thing where you you follow these groups of power until you get that Stockholm syndrome of loving your tyrannical overlord so much that you can never you, you're not seeing the bigger picture you, you're forgetting that you have value you were made you didn't just you know you're not just an accident or a bag of cells or a bag of water I mean you're you're a miracle and and you got to you know when you realize that then you can say actually they don't control me and 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 then you can get out of their cycle and that's that's that was the premise of me writing this new book was so that I could help people see my journey of um how I came to break three sort of find, find that what I found was very liberating um and then those those steps that I found from researching all the people who I've interviewed that have suffered brainwashing and torture in extreme ways, but also others that have uh, scientists that have studied that those who've been manipulated, how to see through that manipulation, how to find your own self-worth again. So it's, it's kind of looking at politics, but, um, but with a self-help element, because I think that's fundamentally what we need to do is yes, these guys are playing their game, but they want us to play their game too. And that's where I think we need to make a choice and decide who do we want to be in power? Because they're trying to make us think, well, do you want the CCP or do you want the globalists? Do you want, you know, and that's, it's like, we don't want either. Exactly. We don't want either of you guys. You, you really, you have 10 steps to survive tyranny. 
And you start with don't underestimate yourself. And then you close with have confidence. And then you have a lot of different things you can do, but it's, it's a really good playbook on just really helping people get through this. It's very, it's really practical. And uh, you also have congressional record of communist goals to enslave America. I mean, you have proof in here. This is what they're trying to do. And then you have steps to, for us to take individually and then also once you, you got to fix yourself first and then you got to get active in fixing, you know, the, the environment we're in. But so I really recommend people read this book. It's called Tent, uh, Nowhere Left to Run. B basically, let me ask you, did you put that word there or that title? Because we kind of have to put a stake in the ground now and say, this is, we got to do it here. I mean, because your family moved from Russia to China, you know, your other one moved from Czechoslovakia. Now you're in America. It's like, this is it, guys. Exactly. It's exactly right. You know, my I always just assumed that my children would grow up in a free country. I just assumed that you cannot assume that anymore. And there is nowhere left to run. Our borders here on this country are being wiped out. Uh, in itself, uh, even just the border alone is being um, decimated. I was there in the southern border last year. How we gotta get that. rid of Biden and his it, cronies. It, cronies. What they're doing is is really damaging. And if you look at other countries, say for example Venezuela, um, they've had so many of the problems that we've had, but they've been through it before. They've had their country flooded with migrants in the past. Uh, it changes the the way people vote. It changes the structure of a society. Um, other other countries have had forced immigration as well, and it's the crime levels of crime uh, have gone through the roof. Um, th these these it's not the first time we've seen this in the world, but it's the first time that a lot of people are paying attention to it. And it's about time. That's that's what I like to say. I say it's about time that we actually started paying attention to China and, and realizing, saying, "Well, this this is that's really bad." Um, and that could happen here if we allow it. That's we right. Look around us and say, oh, oh, I didn't realize that has already happened in other countries. Look at Venezuela. It used to be the richest country in South America. It's been decimated by socialism and and and, and by intentional immigration and, uh, and and corruption. To say that those things couldn't happen here is is now it's like, no, it's it's already happening here. Yeah. We're seeing it. We saw it with COVID. We saw it in Canada. We, we're seeing it. They're they're implementing and we need to implement back. And we are implementing back. We just got to be strong. We can't give up. If we give up, then they win. Okay. Where do they get your book? Because yes. it's just wonderful. People, well, go ahead. Yeah. Well, well, when you said, you know, don't give up, that's exactly right. And so, you know, the last point in, in my book out of those 10 steps, I was going to write that, you know, don't give up. But and I thought about it a bit more and I was like, you know, it's it's so much more than not giving up. I mean, they are banking on us giving up. That That is their plan, plan A. They have no plan B. They want to break B. us exactly. like a horse. And that's that's exactly what they're working on. And But we actually, to not give up on something means you really have to have confidence in something else. So whatever your faith is, you strengthen that because you need to have confidence in that. That gets people through brainwashing. Whatever your family unit is, you need to strengthen that. That gets you through hard times, the hardest Spiritual of times. Spiritual grounding. Exactly. Ground yourself with the, all that goodness. People say to me, oh, but what can I do with that big government out there? And I can say the best thing you can do is stop thinking about the big government out there and look at your look at you and your community right now because they want us to think that only they can solve the problems for us when that's not true it's the so, opposite yes and so so in my in my, my book is short um and i'm i want to give it away as a free ebook it will be available for sale on amazon later in the month but for now i'm giving it away as a free ebook because i just think we need more solutions we need more hope out there and you can get it from my website krubacek.com that's k-a-y-r-u-b-a-c-e-k dot com and you can just download it there well good that's awesome i'll have it up on ebonier and i'll have a link to it up on sirwestel.com on the show page and thank you so much i'm glad you reached out to me because i was like this is really great and like we were saying before we started talking it's just the solutions and people realizing there is hope 
there's a lot of people out there going, heck with this. I, heck no, we're going to, we're going to do something. And that's what we've got to remember. We are in, we are a majority. We're being made to think that we're a minority and it, that's right. You know, keep your mouth quiet because you're the only one that thinks that way. Not true. Heck no. Not true. Yeah. It is not true. Excellent. And that's why I try to get a lot of people who are Democrats because they're like, heck, I'm not, this isn't me. You know, Cynthia McKinney said the Democrat Party left her. She didn't change. And I think there's I, I try to reach across all, get this huge umbrella because I think it's the majority, vast majority of Americans. This has nothing to do with Democrat Republican. Exactly. Exactly right. That's that's you know, I know you get this stuff, Sarah, and that's why I was like, yep, yep, hoping that you'd we could have a talk about this because I think being solutions driven as you are and giving people positivity and hope and looking across divides because they want us to be divided. That's they right. want us to hate each other. Don't fall for it. Don't take the hate bait, you know, step out of it. And uh, we, we've got, to, we can do this. We can do this. Thank you so much. What's your website again? It's krubacek.com, K-A-Y-R-U-B-A-C-E-K.com. Thank you so much. Thank you.